was great prayer in the prayer room this morning. I feel like God's really going to bless us today. Let's stand together, start out with a thanksgiving in our heart. Just lift your thanks to the Lord this morning before we get into the word. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you. Hallelujah. That's it. Lift your voice to him this morning. Aren't you grateful for all that the Lord's done? Hallelujah. What a beautiful day. What a privilege to be in your presence, Lord. We thank you and honor you. We bless your holy name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. Give him a hand clap and a shout. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be our God forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thankful. So thankful. So I'm thankful for what God's going to do today. Brother Green, come on and minister to us this morning. Let's give him a hand as he comes. Thankful for our friend's ministry, and we love you today. Amen. These are the good old days. And all of us will look back at times like this when God has done things in our life that were uh, life-changing, destiny moments, and look back and remember this. So it's good to celebrate and have points in your life that you look back to. So realize that this is some of them days, some of them times. This is some of them opportunities. I'm going to direct your attention to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. And going to teach uh, some principles this morning to help uh, prepare us in our lives. And then also prepare us specifically for the service today. Luke, chapter 4. If you were here Friday night, I talked a little bit about the first part of verse 4 where Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of Satan. The temptations in the first part of chapter 4 is basically Satan's trying to make him feel like that he's not anointed, that he doesn't have power. If thou be the Son of God, do this. So the pressure is to make him feel like he is nobody, that he doesn't have anointing, doesn't have power. But when he comes out of the battle in the wilderness, victorious, by using the word of God. Uh, Then the last verse, 13, the devil had ended all the temptation. He departed from him for a season. Very important to know that the battles that you're in are for seasons. They come and they go. That you do not have to fight that forever. It's not going to be what you deal with all your life. It's temporary. It's a time. It's a season. And in verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. There was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah, And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach everyone's accepted. It's the acceptable year of the Lord. 
I want you to notice that with all the temptations of Satan trying to tell him that he's not the son of God, that he's not anointed, he stands up in the temple and begins to read that he's anointed. Verse 21, he began to say unto them, let me go back to verse 20, and he closed the book, gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wonder at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Wouldn't it be nice to just stop right there? <laughs> because everything up to now in this text is building. There's faith. His fame has gone throughout the whole region. He's done the miraculous. He stood up and spoken from Isaiah. He's prophesied to them. You're going to see this scripture fulfilled today in your midst. And they're all wondering at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. But then a problem arises. They say, is not this Joseph's son? He said unto them, You will surely say unto me, This proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Watch what we've heard thou do in Capernaum, do also here. No prophet is accepted in his own country. And he tells two stories, one of Elijah the prophet, one of Elisha the prophet. So we're going to talk about the opportunity for the miraculous. And there's three principles here that Jesus teaches in his home church that Because of these three principles, the home church could not get past. Not many miracles happened there. Not many mighty things were done. So if we can grasp these three principles today and get them under our feet, then the opportunity for the miraculous is upon us. I bless you. You may be seated. I literally get the opportunity... To preach in thousands of churches, and um, I have thousands of music ministers and uh, pianists and keyboard and uh, vocalists that work with me in ministry. But I tell you honestly, no one I'd rather work with than than First Lady. Just tremendous sensitivity in her spirit and her worship and who she is. It's not what you do, it's who you are. Because what you do will either fight with who you are or will show who you are. Jesus goes to his hometown and everywhere he has been in Galilee... Miracles have happened. Blind eyes open. Deaf ears unstopped. Indeed, his fame is spreading all over the region. And people are beginning to talk about this ministry. Miracles. Supernatural. And so finally he goes back to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And he begins to do the same thing that he did before. The scripture said he went to the church on the Sabbath and stood up to read like his custom was. This is what he did in all the other places. So he's there to minister. He gets the word, goes to where God led him, Isaiah, and begins to read this prophecy that the Spirit of the Lord, anoint and healing and deliverance and 
recovering sight to the blind and those that are bruised and all these things. And he begins to prophesy to them, today you're going to see this scripture fulfilled. You're going to see blind eyes open today, deaf ears unstopped. You're going to watch the cripple walk. And they could not receive what he had to say. I have experienced this preaching in my home church. And uh, Atlanta West is where we have been basing out of for quite a while. But even before that, uh, I first started going to what was then called Cooper Lake, North Cooper Lake Road, Northwest Pentecostal Church. That's why Lois is here, to make sure I'm doing it right. <clears throat> and um, when I was 13, so that was my church. And my pastor at the time, his name was David Fuller powerful preacher and uh, raised in that church when I was about 18 years of age I thought I was missing something being raised in church and so I became a prodigal I backslid I I walked away from the blessings and the inheritance I had so when God was so merciful three years later around late 20 to 21 uh, to bring me back and restore and show mercy and grace to me, I had, I had built a little reputation in that time. And I don't know why. I guess some would call me a player. <clears throat> there was just a, um, I thought I was missing something, so I was going to do everything I could to find out if I was missing something. And I found a lot of what I was missing, heartbreak and hurt and confusion and brokenness and, and pain and broken relationship and health. It's just what sin is. But in that time, I developed a little bit of relationship. So now at 21 years of age, when I'm living for God and now I feel like a calling is upon my life and beginning to try to uh, develop and to qualify the ministry that God is calling me into, it's my home church. And they remember things. <laughs> but I remember years later, after God had opened many doors, been traveling all over the world in evangelistic ministry, and now I had the chance to come back years later to my home church and preach. I stood behind that pulpit, and <laughs> there's people out there I ran with. You know, Russell and Danny and Stevie and I mean that they're all out there. And when I stood behind that pulpit, I fought that battle. It's a spirit of familiarity. And I, it's almost like I could hear it with my ears as they were saying, That's Tim up there. What could possibly happen today in church? We know who he is. In fact, we suspect at any moment it's going to show up. He'll just be like he always was back in the day. So while I have been sent by God to minister in the supernatural in my home church, I had to fight that spirit of familiarity as they were saying, nothing's going to happen here. You know, it's Tim, and that's what he did, and that's who he is, what he'll always be. And I had to fight through that. But at the same time, there was a different dimension of familiarity. There were people out there that were my Sunday school teachers and that had prayed for me. And when I was in the pig pen, 
righteous living far away. They were praying for me and interceding for me. And when I walked back in the church, they, were, they prayed me back through. They believed in me. But even some of them, as I stood up to minister, it was like this. Oh, it's the local kid done good. And he's come home. This is exciting. Let's see what our guy can do. But it was still a spirit of familiarity. Because they couldn't get past the servant of God that had come to deliver the direction and the anointing of his spirit for that service. And because they couldn't get past that, whether they thought nothing was going to happen or they were excited to show us what God is doing in your ministry, it was still a spirit of familiarity. <clears throat> now evangelists deal with this to some degree. But pastors deal with this all the time. Because you become so familiar with their voice until you, you could hear him 10 hours over from Walmart and know that's pastor. You know his voice. And when he gets up here, you know exactly how he's going to close them eyes and say something to you and that dance that he's got, you know. You're just familiar with him. You, you could probably, if you're good at all at this, imitate his voice because you've heard it so many times. You probably know what he sounds like when he speaks in tongues. He becomes so familiar until God can speak to pastor a specific word directly for your life. And he might not say, stand up, I'm going to read your mail, thus saith the Lord. But he's preaching a prophetic word for you. But if you're just, that's another Sunday. We do this last Sunday and the Sunday before. Oh, yeah, that's pastor. We love him so much, but it's pastor. And you don't get past all the familiarity of the routine that we go through that we call church and realize that God is in the house and he wants to do something supernatural and personal for me. It is a struggle for all of us to move past the spirit of familiarity. Just by a quick show of hand, how many of you are sitting where you close to where you sit almost every week? Lois, you don't sit here every week. I have to straighten her out sometimes. You see how that works? That's because we get comfortable here, familiar. And you get used to the voice behind you because you, you know how that individual praises and when they're talking instead of listening and you, you know everything because it's just comfortable and you just get familiar with that. Sometimes we got to do something different to get us out of that battle of familiarity and we got to realize it's not just another Sunday. It's not even just another revival service. It's not even just another anniversary celebration. But God has circled on the calendar of heaven something special for today. So whatever we've got to do to get past that spirit of familiarity, we've got to break that. Pre-service prayer is excellent because the spirit of God begins to let us know this ain't just another Sunday Get about what's happening tomorrow in the work day, what's happened yesterday. Now we realize that we are focused into what God is doing. Pre-service prayer is excellent. Also, if you want to break the spirit of familiarity, wherever you're comfortable, wherever you're familiar in going in your prayer, push past that place. Wherever you're comfortable in your worship, 
whatever level that you usually raise your voice to. Go a little higher. Go a little stronger. Give a little more effort. If you'll go past your place of familiarity in prayer, past your place of familiarity in worship, and move to a higher dimension, it'll help destroy that spirit of familiarity. I want to take my bow tie loose, but I got another service. I'm going to wait a little longer. So that spirit of familiarity that happens when we come to church in the seemingly the same place over and over. One dimension that we, when we go to like a conference or something, it helps us as humans because it's a new place for us. We're hearing probably different speakers and different musicians that are leading us in worship. So all the newness of that brings an expectation and a faith. But the same thing can happen for us every service that we come together if we can break and destroy that spirit of familiarity and move past that with an expectation. So we have to get past the servant that we're so familiar with. That's ministering or leading us in worship. you got to get past the familiarity of the building that you're in all the time. The, the songs that you're used to and you know by heart. Everything that's familiar, you got to get past that and pushing further in worship. So this is the first thing that Jesus is dealing with here when he gets up to minister. Perhaps some are saying, Ah, nothing's going to happen here. I know Joseph knew his dad and his dad and his dad, so nothing's going to Perhaps others were saying, oh, we've heard about all the great things that happened, like at Capernaum. So do that here. It's the local kid done good, come home. So, But all of that familiarity stole from them the opportunity. Wow. And then Jesus tells two principles here, a story of Elijah and a story of Elisha where miracles happened. And if you have ever taught or preached, or did a study about both of these prophets in the same setting, then you know you need to be very careful not to get your Eli's messed up with your jaws and your shahs, because it's, it's easy to do. So I want you to know that I'm going to go to the second example first, if you're looking here in Luke chapter 4, and speak first about Elisha. And the Lord said that there were many lepers in the time of Elisha, but only one, Naaman, was healed of leprosy. So there's a principle here that Jesus is trying to speak, in particular to people who are dealing with the spirit of familiarity in their home church that will break them loose for the opportunity of the miraculous. So understanding a little bit about this story, Naaman is not even a child of Israel. He's not of the covenant children of God. Indeed, his nation is an enemy to Israel because they have come in and overcome God's people, taking their children back to their hometowns as slaves. There is a Sunday school girl, if I can call her that, that they have stolen from one of the houses in Israel and taken her back to serve Naaman's wife and to serve Naaman. But I want you to see that she is not bitter. She is not mad. She is not angry at her circumstance. But she has, as you can see, some type of faith and a relationship with the Lord. Because when her master, Naaman, gets leprosy, she's moved on with compassion. That's, that's the focus for ministry. And she says, oh, if there was just a prophet here, like there is back in my homeland, then Naaman could go to the prophet, and I know that God would heal him. 
Now, she's just a little Sunday school girl. But her testimony is so powerful. I believe because of her love and compassion and because of the conviction by which she spoke it, Naaman believes her. She's just a little girl. But this man of great military power believes her. Not only does he believe her, he believes her so much that he goes to the king of his land. He said, I've got the opportunity to be healed because a Sunday school girl told me. Hey, if you're a Sunday school teacher, let me tell you that you don't really know how much value is happening in the hearts of these young kids as you're speaking to them. I remember things that my Sunday school teachers taught me when I was six months old. I'm just kidding. And so he goes to the king of his land and says there's a prophet. So the king is doing the politically correct thing, and he sends a letter to the king of God's people and says, I'm sending Naaman to you. Make sure he gets healed of his leprosy. And when the king reads the letter, he's like, who am I, God? How am I supposed to heal this guy? This is a trick. Because when I can't do what he's asking me to do, then he's going to come down hard on me. But the prophet hears the exchange that's happening and tells the king, bring Naaman to me. God will prove that he is a supernatural personal God. And so Naaman is now coming to the house of Elisha, and for him it's pomp and ceremony. He is putting his best foot forward. He, he's got his Sunday go-to-meeting clothes on. He, he shined up his Lamborghini. I mean, he is he's coming to church in style. Okay, camel, horse, whatever it might be, his chariot. He, he's got it going right because he wants the man of God to know, this is important to me. I value this. I'm not just going to slip in here. I'm going to come put my best foot forward. I still like that concept, by the way. And so he gets to the house where Elisha is, but the man of God does not come out to pray for him, does not come out to speak to him. He sends his servant out. The servant says, well, the man of God says, go dip in the river Jordan seven times. And Naaman is so upset. I thought he was going to come out here and wave his hands over me. I thought he was going to come out in so flowing robe and, and read my mail and just wow me with some kind of show. I thought he was going to ask me to do something. And now he wants me to dip in the river Jordan, that muddy river. I could dip in rivers back in my homeland that is much more clean. <clears throat> and so he's so mad that he wheels his chariot around and he's headed back to home. But one of the servants on which gives counsel to Naaman begins to speak to him, Naaman. If he had asked you to do something crazy, something, something tough, something mighty, would you have done it? Oh, I'd have swam the English Channel. I'd have climbed Gallimandor. I'd, I'd have done anything he had. Well, I thought, Naaman, that it was about the miracle, not about the show. Not about the sensationalism, what he would say, what he would do. But I thought you really wanted God to heal you. And when Naaman hears the counsel, he obeys, dipped in the river Jordan seven times. And he comes forth without leprosy. But here's the principle, is that Jesus is saying to them, You've got preconceived ideas of how I'm going to work here. You're trying to force me. Indeed, they say, do here like you did at Capernaum. Man, we heard that you called people out. We heard that you had them do this and do that. And that person did. We want to see that. 
And Jesus is saying, because you can't get past preconceived ideas, and you've got me put into a box of, a box of sensationalism, then you won't let the Spirit move. You have got us in a box, and you won't let the Spirit operate. And because you've got preconceived ideas, it's not going to happen here. So the first principle is you've got to get past the spirit of familiarity. The second one is you can't come with preconceived ideas of how God's going to do it. You've got to get past the idea that it's going to be a show. That's what the Gentiles, that's natural within us. When Paul begins to talk about gifts of the Spirit, he said the problem with the Gentiles is that they always try to make the gifts of the Spirit gods, idols, something to worship. We want to put it on a pedestal. We, we want to make people that are used of God somehow to be, whoo, spooky. That's just our nature as Gentiles, to make it some kind of entertainment thing in value. That's our nature. But that's not the way it is in the kingdom of God. It's about the servanthood of yielding to the Spirit of God and the body of Christ operating together. So these two principles. And then he begins to speak of the other example. And this one, of course, is Elijah. And Elijah is now in that time when he has spoken, as we spoke about yesterday, and the heaven has not brought forth rain in three and a half years. And Elijah is being sustained by God uh, by a little brook, Kidron. And there by the brook, as he's drinking the water, birds, crows, ravens, blackbirds are bringing him food, meat and bread in their mouth. How many of you think that that is an awesome miracle? Absolutely it is. How many of you want to eat bread that's in the mouth of dirty birds? Or meat? What kind of meat was it? Worms? I don't know. <laughs> so, sometimes sustaining miracles, please hear the difference. Sustaining miracles are absolutely miraculous. They are absolutely the hand of God, the favor of God, to bring you a sustaining miracle that gets you through a drought time, a famine time, a wilderness place. But they're not sexy. They're, they're, they're not sensational. It's not something that you want to write the Pentecostal Herald about and say, look what God has done for me. I'm eating bread from a bird's mouth. Sustaining miracles are not sensational, but they are absolutely the sustaining hand of God. And so God's moving the prophet on, so he drives up the brook. The birds are no longer bringing worms or whatever it was. Steak, okay, a steak, that's what he was bringing. And so, and so God says, I want you to go to the city of Sarepta. Sarepta in the Greek, but it's also called Zarephath in the Old Testament. And he said, I want you to find a widow there, and she will sustain you throughout the entire drought or the entire famine. Now, logical human thinking or reasoning is that, well, God's sending me, obviously, to the richest widow in town. Her husband, her late husband, must have been, you know, owned several banks or several businesses or he was into real estate big time or where he, he obviously had lots of money if she's going to be able to sustain me for the entire time that I'm there. But God doesn't send him to the richest widow. He sends her to the poorest one in town. Yeah, because she's got enough to make one cake and share it with her son that they're going to lay down and die. She has nothing. 
So when he gets to the city, recognizes the widow, he speaks to her, always a servant in a miracle. He speaks to her and says, would you go get me something to drink? you got to realize that this is not a request like, hey, is there a bottle of water from the office I can have? It's not like, hey, where's your water cooler? Or if you're up north, where's your water bubbler at? Water fountain. (laughs) It's not that easy. They have not had rain in three years perhaps already. And whatever water they have is difficult to get to. The well that she'd have to draw from now is deeper. And the well just isn't a bucket and a rope. It's a series of steps you have to go down and then lower into an open well. And so this is a big deal for her to get a vessel, to go all the way down to where she can get the water, to somehow convince people she needs the water for a stranger and bring it back to her. It's not real easy. But when she turns to obey with a servant spirit, then he asked her to go the second mile. This is what was preaching about last night. He said, go over the top with what I'm asking you to do. When he asked her and said, hey, well, as long as you get me a Dr. Pepper, how about a Big Mac too? And she turns to him, and you can hear the exasperation in her voice when she says, as the Lord God liveth. She said, I'm telling you like it is. I'm not going to beat around the bush right now. You, you hear it clear, okay? I've got just enough Crew in my cruise, a little oil, and in my barrel, just enough meal that I'm going to put them together. You see what I have in my hand? Two sticks, because I don't need three. The fire I'm going to make is going to be a small fire to cook a little small pancake or griddle, just a little bitty thing. In fact, when I cook what little I have, my son and I are going to carefully divided and he's going to eat his two bites and I'm going to eat my two bites and then we're going to lay down and die. So do you know what you're saying when you ask me to get you something to eat? And the man of God says, sounds about right. Take care of me first. Did you not hear me? (laughs) I don't have extra. I, I don't have to spare. And he begins to speak to her the prophecy. If you'll obey and take care of the man of God, take care of the kingdom of God, seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, all these other things. If you will seek for, if you'll give your energy in this revival, if you will sell out to commitment in these services, if you will, if you will give what you've got, even if it's not much, then God's got a sustaining miracle for you. Now, we know the sustaining miracle. It's not romantic. It's not beautiful. This lady, every time she goes, there's going to be enough oil and enough meal to fix another cake for her and her boy. Isn't that an awesome miracle? How many of you want to be broke every day? That's what she is. Because every day when she goes to bed, there is nothing in her pantry. There is nothing on her shelf. She's broke. And then tomorrow when she needs it, well, there's just enough for one more. She's broke every... Sometimes... I'm talking to somebody today. Sometimes sustaining miracles are in your life and you need to give praise and glory to God that you've just made it another day because it's the miraculous that is sustaining you. But it's just for a season because if you'll be sustained through this season, he's got an abundance for you on the other side. So here's the three principles. 
The first principle is you've got to get past the spirit of familiarity. Where's my clock in the house? How good are we? Okay. <laughs> the first, you've got to get past the spirit of familiarity. And realize that it's not just another church service. That's not just Tim Green up there. But this is what God has ordained for this service. And that God wants to do something special. When you get past all the familiar things, then push past your praise. Push past. Go to a new level in your worship. And then you've got to realize that you all preconceived ideas of how God's going to do it, what he's going to speak to me, what I need to do. We've got to let God just decide that. And simple obedience is what we need to what God is speaking. And the third principle is you've got to use what you've got. It doesn't matter if it's just two sticks of worship is all you have left. Get them puppies in the air. Start signing with your sticks for Jesus. If all you have is just a little bit of voice left, I promise you, you use your voice in the church today, God's going to give you sustain. If all you have is just a little bit of offering, go ahead, go over the top, and see if God won't sustain you for your miracles the rest of the week. So if we can get past the spirit of familiarity and we can realize simple obedience without preconceived ideas and we can decide to use what we have, even if it might seem small, insignificant, little, whatever anointing you got, whatever faith you have, whatever energy you have, whatever, just go ahead and use it up, spend it. That's a faith operation for God to loose the sustaining miracle upon your life then we can see opportunity for the miraculous in the house today. Here's the deal. At Nazareth, where Jesus is in his home church, it's not, it's not Tim, Luke 4. It's not even the apostle Paul in Luke 4. It's Jesus. And Jesus has read his scripture from Isaiah, and then he prophesied. You're going to see blind eyes, open deaf ears. It's going to happen right here in this church service. And not many miracles. Jesus prophesied it. And not many miracles happened. Because of three, three principles couldn't get past. Spirit of familiarity. Preconceived ideas and not simple obedience. And not using what you have. But today in this place... Spirit of the Lord is here. There's been a building every service, Friday, Saturday. Even this session, a building toward what God wants to do. And people are going to receive the Holy Ghost in our church services. Physical healings are in the house today. Restoration of anointings and power. Strength of God is here. And the only thing we need to do is loose the opportunity for the miraculous with these three principles and concepts. Would you stand to your feet? I simply want to pray for you. God, that this is more than a teaching or a sermon, but that this is a word for us today, that we can exercise it even now, that in just a few moments when we kick off worship service, We'll get out of our comfort zone, go past the familiar, begin to worship like we've not worshiped before, move into a place of prayer, 
an intensity of intercession, that we'll destroy the spirit of familiarity, that we'll use whatever we've got, that we'll come open-minded to obey without preconceived ideas. I pray, God, for an impartation of this word, for an imputation of this word to rest upon us in this house by the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Just pray in the Holy Ghost all across the building right now. Receive in the name of Jesus faith and ministry and purpose in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lift your hands in worship for another moment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're believing. Hallelujah. We've come in this house believing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Miracles that only he can do. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Today will be a time for miracles that only he can do. But we're going to be part of it. If we're here and he's not, nothing's going to happen. But if he's here and we're not doing anything, nothing's going to happen. So I'm ready. How about you? Praise the Lord. I'm ready to see God move in this house today. Give him a hand clap and a shout this morning. What a great God. Get us ready. Getting us ready. Getting us ready. Getting us ready. Let's, uh, let's, I know people will be coming in and we're going to greet one another and, and things like that. But after you get you some water, run to the restroom, greet somebody, come find your place around the front, around the altar and pray. Get your mind ready. Stay, stay in that place where you are able to, to have that soul ready, that ground broken up and ready and, and ready to see God move. How about that? Praise God. Let's have a great service. God bless you. We're going to be kicking off here in a few minutes. So. Like I say, get some water, fellowship for just a moment. Come back and pray. Walk around these altars and pray for a while. Let's get ready for church.